You're listening to Like Effect on 89.7 WUWM. I'm Audrey Nowakowski. Since our national parks were established, they have drawn thousands of visitors to these public lands. When they were first founded, most people couldn't get to them without taking a train at least part of the way. Even though Wisconsin isn't home to a national park, we did have a role in driving some tourism out west. The Milwaukee Road was a local railroad company who, like many others at the time, tried to monopolize increased travel to national parks. For August's Book of the Month series with the Milwaukee Public Library, we're actually exploring a part of a local collection. I went to meet Special Collections Librarian Greg Comley at Central Library, where he pulled documents from the Milwaukee Road Collection, and he starts by explaining his work with it. So I spend the majority of my day uh, answering questions and processing the Milwaukee Road Collection. We received this collection in the early 80s directly from the Milwaukee Road. Their idea before they went bankrupt was to have a place to preserve uh, all of their historical materials. So it is by far one of our biggest collections. There's well over 50,000 engineering architectural drawings, 18,000 plus photographs, and enough boxes to fill your grandmother's house. (laughs) So this month we're celebrating the anniversary of the national park systems in the U.S. for our book of the month. And while Milwaukee nor Wisconsin has a national park, we did have a role in encouraging people to go out to the parks and out west in general. So can you share a bit about the Milwaukee Road and its role in doing that? Sure. So first I'll just start with a little bit of background on railroads and national parks uh, in general. Uh, Railroads Uh, have always had a unique relationship with national parks long before the National Park Service was even established in 1916. So, for instance, in Yellowstone, the Northern Pacific had already established a line from Livingston to Cinnabar in 1883. Yellowstone ended up having five railroads that connected to its borders, one being the Milwaukee Road. Uh, But we see this all across the country where Railroads are capitalizing on their closeness to national parks, and they use it a way not only to drum up passenger traffic because they care about the bottom dollar, uh, but they also have this unique relationship in with national parks on both promoting them and actively uh, encouraging the public to use them, which makes us have even better national parks. So they have this kind of mutually beneficial relationship in encouraging people to use the rails and then see the parks. So what did Milwaukee travel with railroads look like during this time? So the Milwaukee Road, when it first began, was the Milwaukee and Waukesha. It had like 20 different names. It started here in Milwaukee and its first line was completed to Waukesha in 1850. Milwaukee, you know, has always been the heart of the railroad, but like most other railroads in the country, Chicago um, is the terminus uh, of the railroad. So, you know, in the late 1800s, it became the Chicago-Milwaukee-St. Paul Railroad, and later the Chicago, when they completed their Pacific Line, it was the Chicago-Milwaukee-St. Paul Pacific Railroad Company, which is a, a really big mouthful. Uh, so everyone calls it the Milwaukee Road, which was never its official name, but like it's it's kind of like shortened version, right? So uh, we had a beautiful passenger station here in Milwaukee, but traffic just went through. Of course, it stopped. At some points, there was like 26, 27 passenger trains going through Milwaukee a day. Um, so we always say that Milwaukee is the heart 
of the railroad because this is where it had its gigantic shops. So the, Milwaukee is the heart of the railroad, Chicago is the brains. So normally what would happen is you would either take a train from anywhere on the line, which was uh, for the passenger trains, it was called the Olympian, or they had the Columbian. The Olympian was like the express train. The Columbian stopped at more places. But you would take this from either the, the Great Lakes area or the West Coast, and you would stop at Three Forks, Montana. And then at, in, originally in 1926, when they started marketing this whole thing, you would get, then get on a bus at Three Forks, Montana. And they had some really like, not so much like a bus, but more like, an elongated station wagon <laughs> that could fit people. Yeah. And then you would travel the nearly 100 miles to the park border. And this is 1926, so uh, imagine the roads in 1926. Uh, bumpy. Not a comfortable ride, yeah. Right. So then you would get on a bus, um, and then you would travel to Yellowstone. And they created their own entrance to the park. And then you would get on Yellowstone buses that were operated by... The, the park and you would do like this roundabout tour and then you know they, they had options where you could either go to a different railroads entrance so like you could go to West Yellow like end at West Yellowstone and then go out on UP lines or one of the other places but it was a really long route through not great roads. <laughs> Yeah, it sounds like a commitment and an endeavor. And obviously people need places to stay when they're traveling so far. This isn't, uh, you know, a few day trip. I imagine people are taking at least a week to go out here and see Yellowstone. So one big effort in getting people out to the parks was the construction of the Gallatin Gateway Inn near Yellowstone Park in 1927. So can you share the strategy they built here that would be used at other national parks too? Sure, so like I mentioned, the Milwaukee Road was at a disadvantage to begin with because they were so far from the park. So what they decided to do was build a very nice luxurious hotel um, that was in a town called Salesville, which later changed its name to the Gallatin Gateway. Um, so they built this like Spanish revival hotel that was really quite magnificent. I guess it was one of the more luxurious railroad hotels of its time. They built it in four months in 1927, starting in February, which it was a very large hotel. Like they had to build it so fast that they were like lighting fires to make the walls dry faster. Um, but like a huge kind of engineering feat because they were like shoveling snow off the roof to like build it, right? Um, so they built this wonderful thing. You know, it had a huge dining room, 350 people. It had a ballroom for hundreds to dance in it. Um, but interestingly enough, it only had 20-some rooms in it. And this is because the Olympian and the Columbian passenger trains were overnight trains, sometimes two nights, mm -hmm. depending on which one you took. So you would either arrive in the morning, and then you would have lunch, right? And then you would go on your tour of Yellowstone, or you arrive in the afternoon. And you didn't really have to stay there. The only people that stayed there were the people leaving through the park to go usually back out to the West Coast. Then you would stay in right there. A lot of other railroad companies did this. The Great Northern reached Glacier National Park in 1893 and built a beautiful lodge. Uh, the Santa Fe to the south rim of the Grand Canyon. Um, and not only did they, they build this, this hotel, the Santa Fe also you know, led national efforts to make the Grand Canyon a national park. And the Milwaukee Road Company was the first to, to build a place for people to stay? Not in Yellowstone. Okay. No, no. They they were always like the last 
unfortunately. The, the Milwaukee Road did a lot of great things, yeah. but sometimes they were, they were the last company to finish a transcontinental route. They were the last company to establish a route in the Yellowstone, and it actually never did that well. You know, just like some figures in 1925, there was 44, 45,000 people arriving by rail into Yellowstone. Like a fraction of these were Milwaukee Road because the other railroads had like such like a better position. You know, like West Yellowstone is like 18 miles from the border of Yellowstone National Park. So they tried to capitalize. It didn't quite work out, but the hotel is still there. So at least we got this like nice bit like piece of history that's still there. Absolutely, and we have some some prints of the inn here that you're going to show me in a bit, but. When you're researching all of this and you're, you're looking at the, the growth and some of the challenges that the railroad is facing, what stands out to you about the Milwaukee Road? The Milwaukee Road, concerning like passenger traffic, what made it such a fantastic railroad was its innovation. At some points in the service, the Milwaukee Road had, had claimed to have the best passenger service there, with meaning like very uh, uh, punctual trains. Um, it developed its own roller bearings in, in the trucks, which the cars sit on, um, that were extremely smooth. Like in the 1930s, regularly trains between Chicago and St. Paul were traveling 100 plus miles an hour in the 1930s. And they claimed that the faster it went, the smoother it goes. Um, so like, you know, they, like, they would have like, you know, they did things where they, like, they put a cup of coffee like on the table and the train's like going 100 miles an hour in the coffees, not falling out of the cup, Yeah. right? So, uh, and it did a lot of other really innovative things, um, like its electrified line out west. So when people were arri arriving into Three Forks, Montana, like going to the Yellowstone, chances are the train was being pulled by electric locomotive. Um, so it had, when it was built, and for quite some time after, the longest electrified route through the mountains, electricity played a huge role. I mean, it, it allowed the railroad to a, reduce operating costs, um, but it also, you've got these nice electric engines that don't throw off ash and steam and dust and were much quieter than our steam locomotives. So it, it was really innovative in, in how it did that. And uh, especially when we're looking at the Western expansion of, of the railroad to electrify hundreds of miles of line is one thing, but you have to get the electricity. So they were like using companies to build dams to supply the electricity so this was like a huge undertaking and some would say one of the reasons why the milwaukee road ended up going bankrupt but that's another story <laughs> yeah another one we could revisit another time so you're currently here in milwaukee but you actually grew up in wyoming so in what we're talking about today how does it feel to be able to pull out these primary documents here in the midwest and still have a way to connect to wyoming and, and out west through what you do here you know because you know, especially Yellowstone, in, in that it's a national treasure. You know, like you see it pop up all over the place. Um, so like, it's kind of really exciting for me, like when I pull out like all those brochures of, of Yellowstone and like describing a place where I grew up. And I'm like, oh, even out here in Milwaukee, like you can't get away from like the grandeur and the beauty of some of our national parks and in particular Wyoming. Awesome. Well, Greg, thank you so much for joining me today and for pulling out all these great documents. I look forward to exploring. Yeah, it was my pleasure. Thank you. Greg Comley is a special collections librarian at the Milwaukee Public Library. You can see tons of old pictures, documents, and brochures from Milwaukee Road at wuwm.com.